Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm super excited for this episode today about a topic that I am notoriously bad at, golf. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Noel Wagner to be discussing golf, physical therapy, and performance today. Noel is a board-certified specialist in orthopedic PT, and he's also an active-duty Navy physical therapist. He owns his own company, Driven Physical Therapy, in Jacksonville, Florida, where he focuses a lot about the injury management, treatment, and performance uh, enhancement of athletes and golfers especially. So... I think you're going to love this episode today. Enjoy the show. Noel, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to be working with you today, buddy. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm excited uh, to dive into some uh, topics this uh, evening and, and uh, you know, discuss further some of the things that uh, I like to see and, and enjoy working with uh, my clients. Yeah, definitely. So for people who aren't familiar with you or your private practice company and all the amazing things that you're doing in the world of golf and physical therapy, would you mind kind of filling them in a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm originally from uh, Nebraska, went to University of Nebraska, Lincoln for undergrad, go big red, and uh, then went to Creighton University for physical therapy school. So go Blue Jays. Um, After physical therapy school, uh, worked at outpatient private practice for a while. Um, saw your, uh, you know, generic um, outpatient population anywhere from pediatric to geriatric and everything in between. Um, post-op, uh, sports injuries, uh, total knees, total hip replacements, all that, all that good stuff. Um, from there, I applied for a what's called a direct accession into the United States Navy and um, was accepted as a physical therapist in the Navy and have been doing that for two years. So, um, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll mention, you know, being in, in the Navy is uh, the views and and uh, opinions expressed tonight are mine and mine alone. They do not necessarily express the opinions of the Department of Defense, Defense Health Agency, and the Department of the Navy. <laughs> Always got to get that out of the way, right? So, but it's uh, it's cool. They, um, um, We'll, we'll, like I said, we, we'll, we'll go dive into kind of what I do with private practice. And um, it's kind of a, a mobile uh, cash base um, uh, private practice, but doing it a, as a side, right? My full-time uh, job is active duty military physical therapist. And, and uh, the Department of the Navy is gracious enough to allow um, their sailors to do what's called off-duty employment. And uh, I've decided uh, to dive into the world of uh, private practice, opened up a uh, mobile clinic with uh, a few areas of interest and specialties, one of them being uh, golf rehabilitation, um, focusing on that specific um, demographic and, and type of uh, client. Yeah, that's amazing. And thank you for your service, by the way, Noel. Um, no, thank, so thank what, you for the support. I- <laughs> what got you into the golf realm? Are you an avid golfer yourself or? I am avid. Uh, sure. That's a good, that's a good term. You know, we'll call that, you know, I was, I, I was never, uh, yeah, I was never a professional golfer by any means, never amateur, never scratch golfer. Right. Um, it's one of those areas that I really just have, have always had an, an interest in, um, in the, activity itself i enjoy golfing i enjoy the the sport itself um but also diving into the biomechanics of it right i uh, you know i think when we're going through physical therapy school or even before that what gets us into 
physical therapy, rehabilitation is our interest in the human body, how it moves. And the golf swing is, is such a unique um, process, sequencing of movements. And it looks so easy and it's so quick, but there's so, so much that goes into it. The, the, the world, of, world of golf, there, you can get deep, deep, deep into the weeds of the details as far as uh, the swing itself, uh, um, the golf course, you know, maintenance, um, the mindset when it comes to golf. And we're talking, you know, more professional elite level. Um, and so with, with my clients, you know, I, I treat anywhere from just your, your average golfer who uh, maybe is just getting into it, has been golfing for a while. Uh, maybe they're a retiree who has been golfing their entire life. Now they're making more time for it. Um, and they're maybe having some mobility issues, maybe some, some aches and pains, chronic issues. And then also I see, uh, up to, um, collegiate level, high school, uh, golfers as well. So really kind of get hitting that, that, uh, that wide spectrum of skill levels, um, and, and seeing what areas would be most beneficial from a movement standpoint, because at the end of the day, I'm not a, I'm not a golf coach, right? So, you know, we, we got to kind of stay in our lane saying where, where our expertise is. Um, but the good thing is, as you well know, is, is having a good team around you, right? So a good network of, of professionals in whatever specific area you're looking at. And so in the golf world, there's all sorts of professionals. You have the, the strength conditioning coaches, uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, uh, and definitely the golf coaches as well. And each, each provides their own unique skill set uh, to help that athlete, help that individual with whatever their goals may be. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I like the term avid because I don't feel like you have to necessarily be a professional in order to be able to help someone with their sport in the sense that you know I don't need to have played Barclays Premier League soccer in order to help a soccer player just like you don't need to go on the PGA tour to have an amazing impact on a golfer um, and at the end of the day the sports are about recreation and enjoyment and yes there's some competition there could be some you know um competitive elements and certainly a career if you are a professional, but I, I think most people would fall under the recreational side of things with sports like uh, golf. And I like how you bring up the importance of the mechanics as well. And that's something I want to kind of dive into here to start because the golf swing is kind of unique um, for someone such as myself, who is rather terrible at golf, for lack of a better way to put it, and grew up playing baseball. Uh, the golf swing just feels weird and awkward, and I can't really get it down. Uh, so for people like me, walk me through the mechanics of what you would normally see with a golf swing. Oh, Dan, it's so easy. All you have to do is do your baseball swing, just bend more at the hips. You got it. It's easy. No, there's, there's, I'm just kidding. There's a lot more that goes into it. Right. And so, um, you know, similar mechanics in uh, a baseball swing and, and a golf swing, the fact that the biggest driver of movement, the biggest driver of power is going to be coming from the hips and, and really that ability to disassociate. So you'll probably hear that term a lot, disassociate the upper torso from the lower torso, meaning your, your thoracic spine, lumbar spine, and then your pelvis as well. Are you able to turn and twist around that structure and create that energy that you need and transition of energy throughout those segments 
to create power. Okay. Um, and really we're, 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 that that's the, that's the power creation as far as, you know, the golf swing. I think most people uh, struggle with, with the consistency of, of ball striking. Right. Um, <clears throat> so what is the perfect golf swing? Right. Who, who the heck knows? There are so many different golf swings and characteristics. Um, you can have a, all these professional golfers, amateur golfers, scratch. Um, they're all going to have slightly different golf swings, right? And some people may have classified certain characteristics as as golf faults, right? Oh, they have um, you know early extension or they sway, um, whatever terminology you may use, but they call them golf faults. Well, we kind of classify more as as golf swing characteristics, right? It's just describing maybe areas um, of their golf swing and what they look like. So despite the, the various swing styles amongst pro golfers, uh, various movement studies have found that there is consistency across the board as far as sequencing of movement of the body. And so there's four different areas that they're looking at in that sequence of the backswing into the downswing. So backswing, we're starting at addressing the ball. From there, when you go into your backswing, the first thing that's going to move is going to be the shaft of the club. Next is going to be your lead arm. So you would imagine that those two things are going to move at the same time. Your arm is connected to the shaft of the club. Well, there's a there is a small enough, uh, 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 enough of a difference, milliseconds essentially difference in when those move. From there, the next segment of your body that's going to move is going to be your thorax, your, your upper torso, your thoracic spine. From there, the last piece of the puzzle that's going to rotate is going to be your pelvis. So as far as sequencing goes, that's ideal in the backswing. Um, again, across the board, pro golfers, you're not going to see really any deviation from that order of sequence. Their hips are not going to move first. Their, your thoracic spine is not going to move before their, the shaft of the club moves. It's going to be shaft of the club, their lead arm, their thorax, and then their pelvis. Once they get to the height of the backswing, that's where the transition phase is. So you're transitioning from uh, the, the backswing. You're storing all that kinetic energy in the backswing, and now you have to transition that energy into the downswing to make impact on the ball. So from there, it is the complete opposite as far as what sequencing happens. So now the first thing that's going to move is going to be your pelvis. So the rotation through the pelvis is going to start, and then energy is going to travel up through the thoracic spine, and then your lead arm is going to start coming down towards the ground. And the shaft of the club is going to be the last thing that is going to start rotating down where all that energy that's been stored up is now transferring to that shaft of the club down into impact. So again, throughout that entire phase of sequencing, less than half a second, right? I'm downswing. It's real quick. Um, and there's a lot of different swing characteristics that can happen right in that transition and the downswing but at the end of the day what is consistent is those are the four areas that move in that very specific order at the elite level golf skill that's set that's interesting yeah and i like how you mentioned the elements all the way up from 
pelvic and hip rotation all the way up into the shoulder and ultimately the end of the golf club. Now, is there any specific component of the golf swing that you typically see, for lack of a better way to put it, dysfunction in? So is there a certain component of that that you see maybe loss of motion, loss of strength, or just pain associated with that specific piece? Oh, absolutely. Pelvic rotation. And again, more specifically, that ability to disassociate the upper torso from the lower torso. So I said before, you're probably going to hear that a few times, that ability to disassociate. That's so important when it comes to that golf swing. That's where you're going to be able to uh, uh, develop power in that swing. So that what, what, what's going on there? That could be a number of things, right? That could just be a motor control. They may have the range of motion. You, you put them on their side and have them do an open book uh, stretch where they're rotating they're through their thoracic spine. Their lumbar spine is relatively uh, quiet, if you will. So they are able to rotate through their spine. But once you get them in an athletic position or even a golf swing, they look stiff, but they're not really stiff. It's more of a motor control issue where, okay, now we want to work on the ability for you to understand what it feels like to be able to make that rotation, make that, make that difference between that upper and lower body. So um, that's one of the more common things I see on, on probably um, just your maybe weekend golfer, your casual golfer, um, that certainly uh, an older population there. We might, we may actually get more into um, actual true stiffness of the joints themselves. Right. And so, um, yeah, yeah, as, uh, as we age with maybe some arthritic changes that may be, uh, limiting some range of motion, but at the end of the day, my, my programming is not going to shy away from that. We want to try and get as much of that range of motion as we can strengthen through as much of that range of motion as we can as well. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're asking, you know, one of the more common things I see it is, it's probably again, that ability to disassociate that upper body from the lower body, whether that be from motor control, um, proprioception standpoint, or true, true lack of mobility, uh, whether that is in the lumbar spine or even the hip. So for example, your lead hip, your lead hip, say you're a right-handed golfer. Um, so your left leg is going to be your, your lead leg. When you are rotating down through impact and through your follow-through, you need a significant, a good amount of hip internal rotation at that point. A lot of males specifically don't have great hip internal rotation. So that would be something where we may determine with a golf coach. It's like, Hey, he doesn't, maybe we don't have that ability, physical ability to make that hip rotation. So one of the real common uh, treatments for that, if you will, just from a golf coach is, Hey, you're just going to, on your stance leg, you're going to rotate your foot um, down the range, right? You're just going to add a little bit of external rotation. That way you don't have to rotate over that hip quite as much. So yes, the hip is definitely the biggest focus. I would say um, in the majority of uh, the, the demographics that, that I see. Interesting. And you mentioned both from a mobility, stability, and motor control uh, standpoint with the hip there. Um, so one, making sure you have enough rotation or transverse plane movement, but also strengthen that plane, especially with the glute firing, because your glutes are going to be essential for internal and external rotation of the hip. 
And then the motor control piece, as you mentioned, having the ability to engage and fire those muscles when we need to. Um, and the motor control piece is always an interesting one to me because, you know, people will tell someone, oh, you know, well, your glutes just aren't working. And it's like they work. It's just they're not necessarily working in the manner that we want them to uh, for whatever reason. So it, it's always interesting when that topic comes up. And I also think it's interesting that we talk about these things in a physical therapy sense, which most people typically associate with pain or discomfort, when in reality, addressing these things might, I would assume, take a few strokes off your golf swing, hopefully, or help you hit the ball farther, if nothing else. Well, definitely your your distance is, is going to come from the hip drive. Absolutely. I mean, that's, if, if you're lacking in efficiency there, um, you could gain a lot of yards there. Now, uh, gaining yards may not necessarily take strokes off your game, depending on how your short game and putting is, right? So, but if you're looking for distance, certainly, um, uh, good again, going back to that sequencing of, of the, the shaft, the lead arm, thorax, and the pelvic rotation, building up, storing that kinetic energy and transferring that kinetic energy um, throughout impact and and then you can again you can dive into the the, the weeds about um, you know attack angle right and so that's actually the angle that your club um, is is hitting the golf ball at impact so whether that is an iron or a driver that's gonna that's gonna change irons typically um, you're gonna have a more negative um, uh, attack angle because you're gonna create that divot get underneath it maybe create a little bit of spin with the driver you're you're gonna have closer to you know, uh, closer to zero degree uh, attack angle, which is going to create more, more lift. Um, and that's how a lot of uh, LPGA uh, players, a lot of the women golfers will create more distance is, is that, uh, going after that attack angle. Now, again, that, that's something that, that I don't measure, you know, leave that with the golf coaches, but that's something that I, that I have learned uh, from them and uh, is, is kind of a, a coaching uh, tip or technique to maybe create a little bit more, more distance. If, okay, Hey, we've, we, you know, they're in the gym, they're, they're, they're squatting this much, deadlifting this much. Like we know they can create a lot of power. Um, and that's kind of one of the cool things um, about golf, modern golf, really uh, modern golf game now is you see people that are, that are top of the, the, uh, the leaderboard now. Um, yeah. They're, they're lifting heavy. They're lifting heavy, heavy weight. Um you know, back you know, Tiger Woods, he's, he's the one that kind of changed all that. He, you know, no one was really doing much uh, back in the nineties, right? Nobody's doing much strength training when it comes to golf. He, he came in and, and look what he did to the game, right? Um, now the same, same principles apply. A lot of the, the players, uh, uh, Scott Scheffler, right? Last, last year, masters winner, um, won a bunch of tournaments and, and, uh, and he, he was squatting, deadlifting, heavy, heavy weight in season so this is an off season this is this is during the season making sure that he maintained that ability and that power and that efficiency of that hip drive just like you're saying because again the glutes are going to create that rotation and create that extension through through impact that they need for yes distance off the off the tee uh but then also say you know you're on a long par five that second shot uh you need some distance on that as well yeah definitely definitely and um you know, kind of like you mentioned there, it is a combination of having strength and stability and just overall skill of the golfer to improve your score. Um, but, you know, again, me, the 
golfer who has usually gone out once a year uh, for the past couple of years. Um, I, I just want to hit the ball hard and far. So uh, the strength element is certainly exciting. Uh, now, as we mentioned, that kind of shifts to the performance side. Coming back to the PT side and, you know, why someone might seek you out in the first place. Um, you mentioned a little bit about that lumbopelvic hip complex pain and dysfunction already uh, in talking about the swing. But are there any other injuries that you typically see golfers presenting with? And, you know, what might those be? Certainly uh, shoulder, uh, whether it's rotator cuff, tendinopathy, um, some uh, individuals, maybe an older age, rotator cuff tears, even um, biceps tendonitis, um, uh, pec tendonitis. We even see uh, elbow issues as well, right? And so you heard of tennis elbow and you heard of golfer's elbow, right? And so um, that goes back to, okay, what is the mechanism of injury? With tennis elbow, a lot of backswinging, working the, the muscles on the, the lateral side of the elbow. With golfer's elbow, where's a lot of the force being directed at impact on the elbow? It's on the inside of that, uh, not the lead arm, but the the uh, trail arm, okay? And the trail arm is the one that's going to create a lot of force. Now, um, we'll see that maybe if, uh, you know, someone, is, maybe that sequencing is off, right? Maybe they are, um, they're not leading with their hips. Maybe they're leading with their arm. They're much more arm dominant movement. Um, we can also get a swing characteristic uh, called chicken winging, where they may uh, not have a whole lot of, of pelvic rotation. And so they're getting, they're really swinging through with their arms and to get around and create rotation, they'll chicken wing with their lead arm. Now with their lead, when they do that with their lead arm, that can actually create, interestingly enough, tennis elbow on that lead arm, because most of the force now, that repetitive force is going to be on the lateral side of that lead arm. But more often than not, it's going to be uh, that golfer's elbow is going to be more on the medial side of that trail arm because, again, if you come in an impact, that's where most of that force uh, is, is going to happen, especially if, if hey, maybe we're, we're chunking the ball, right? That happens. I do that, right? Yeah, inside of my elbow might be uh, might be a little sore uh, uh, if I if I take a huge huge big divot and the you know the ball only travels you know fifty yards or or maybe less. So um, elbow is certainly a, a common area. Another one being uh, shoulder, especially if there's limited shoulder mobility. Um, I always am looking at thoracic extension with that as well. So yes, we need thoracic rotation, but the extension is going to help with shoulder mobility as well, especially into external rotation um, and horizontal abduction. So across the body, right? You're going to need to come across the body on that lead arm and that trail arm, you're going to need a good amount of external rotation. So uh, one thing that I'll do with, with people um, is it's called 90-90 test. We get kind of an athletic stance, maybe up um, like you have your five iron, you're dressing the ball and just hinge, hinge at the waist. Now bring your arms up to shoulder height. And now I want you to rotate back. Is there a big difference between the two? Right. And if if say their their uh, trail arm, their back arm, maybe a little bit more limited in that external rotation, that's certainly an, an area that we're going to focus in on if they're having some shoulder issues um, and create a little bit more of that mobility throughout the golf swing. I like that a lot. And I love how you bring up the thoracic spine there, Noel, because, you know, from a regional interdependence uh, standpoint, the thoracic spine, especially the extension, as you mentioned, plays such an essential role in our shoulder girdle function. Uh, I think so many people forget that, you know, the scapula is a direct formation of half of the shoulder. 
And all of those muscles that control the scapula come right from that mid-back thoracic spine type area. And for modern individuals or modern lifestyle, we'll say, uh, so many people spend their lives sitting down seven, eight, nine hours a day. And as a result, things just tend to tighten up over time. And, you know, I'm still young, thankfully, but I would imagine the older you get, the worse that becomes, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. And I also love how you touched on the shoulder and elbow piece as well. And I didn't realize that you could actually develop a tennis elbow type presentation on one and a um, a golfer's elbow type presentation on the other. That's interesting. And uh, it made me think a lot about a long time ago, maybe two years ago, we did a podcast with uh, former MLB pitcher Joel Bennett, and he kept talking about the importance of the glove hand in pitching mechanics. And I would say the same is probably true for the golf swing is that lead hand is just as important as that backhand in the swing motion. Um, and typically in baseball or in pitchers, we give all the attention to the throwing hand. And I would imagine in golf, the backhand is the one that gets more of the attention than the lead hand. Um, additionally, I think it's interesting how you brought up the rotator cuff and shoulder piece, because when I think golfer, I don't always think 18 20 year old young healthy fit active individual i think of a sport that can be enjoyed across the lifespan which is a great thing however after about what is it, age 40 or so um males especially start to lose vascularity in their rotator cuff and it increases the risk or susceptibility to degenerative type tearing or tendon type things of the rotator cuff and that plays a essential role in our ability to use our shoulders uh, from everything from lifting up overhead all the way up to rotating as you would in a golf swing um, so say you have someone that you're working with who presents with one of those types of pathologies what kind of things are you looking to do to help them return to golf and be able to swing uh, somewhat comfortably or is it not possible to get back to golf if someone has you know a partial or full thickness rotator cuff tear it's a very difficult thing uh, can be can be a very difficult thing for someone who's presenting with uh, significant maybe functional decline due to rotator cuff tearing um you know, we, we know now that you can individuals uh, can have rotator cuff tears. It's been shown on MRIs and have no symptoms. So we know that people can live with these things, just the extent of maybe the thickness of that tear. Uh, but more importantly, you know, how is it affecting their their quality of life? And so um, that's really the, the biggest driving factor there in regards to are they able to manage and are they able to continue uh, with the activity of golf with, say, uh, if we want to stick with rotator cuff tear. Um, so those are factors that, that we look at. If they're going non-surgical route, right? So they're going non-surgical route, um, or maybe it's a smaller thickness tear, something that we want to um, continue to be as active as possible, enjoy the things they want to enjoy, but that, we don't want to create more issues down the road. And so... Um, Biggest thing you, met, you know, mentioned before, so that uh, scapulothoracic uh, uh, component um, hitting all those muscles that attach around the shoulder blade into the thoracic spine, making sure they're, they're coordinating well with each other with normal overhead movements, uh, making sure our mobility, not just in, in external rotation, but 
all the different motions. So overhead, uh, behind the back, into rotation, making sure we have good mobility there. Uh, but then also stability. Can you, can, yes, can you get there? Can I get you there? But can you get there yourself? Uh, say with, um, uh, you know, overhead squat, just with a PVC pipe. Can you hold that position? Do you start to come forward? If we start to maybe lean forward, you can't actually hold that position. Okay, is it a, is it a scapular stabilization issue? Is it a thoracic mobility issue? Um, you keep going down the chain. Is it a hip mobility issue? Is it an ankle mobility issue that's, that's causing an issue with uh, the, the squat um, uh, position as well? And so really looking at that, that entire chain is something that we, we go through with, uh, with our screening um, exam. Um, as far as the, the treatment goes, you know, throwers 10 is, is always a good go-to, right? You know, throwers 10 develop uh, for those overhead athletes. You mentioned working with, with MLB pitcher and um, I'm sure any sort of variation there uh, is, is helpful to engage those, that, those scapular muscles and the rotator cuff muscles. Um, but for any sort of repetitive injury, which rotator cuff certainly can be in an older population, it's managing load. Right. And that's really, you know, a lot of what physical therapy is, is managing load, load management. So um, we'll leave, really want to dive into, okay, what, how many swings you're doing in a week, right? You know, are you going to the range and are you, are you turning through, you know, three buckets of balls, right? And then, yeah, no wonder your shoulder's going to be a little sore. Let's maybe bring that back a little bit. Let's maybe do shorter, uh, uh, shorter clubs, right? And so uh, versus just, you know, cranking out on the driver or five irons, bring it down to maybe a nine and, and limiting how many actual swings that they are doing in a, in a week time frame. Um, and a lot of times, you know, having that conversation and being able to maybe bring them back a little bit if they're doing a little bit too much is okay. We, we can not overstress and, and create those repetitive issues um, in that shoulder. And, and a lot of times we can manage that way. Um, otherwise for, uh, you know, rotator cuff tear again, that's, that's one of the things that is definitely difficult if it's, you know, maybe close to full thickness, we're thinking may, you know, this may be a surgical candidate. Um, you know, those are conversations, you know, we want to have, and, and certainly I've had plenty of, of clients and patients that have returned back into golf after rotator cuff surgery um, can certainly be a, a uh, you know, a, a long road, but um, the good thing is there's a short game you can always work on in those, in those early months of rehab. Right. And so you can, Hey, yeah. So you're, we're out of sling, you know, we're, we're just getting into strengthening phase, maybe, you know, six, eight weeks out. Okay. You go putt. You can go putt. That's fine. You can still work on your short game uh, and then gradually get back into, uh, you know, working on, on chipping, right. Adding chipping and then back into that, that load management of, of really what, uh, what I call it kind of a return to return to golf, you know, progression essentially. Right. And so there's return to return to pitching progressions. I'm sure you're familiar with same thing with, with golfing as well. So uh, lots of ways, lots of ways to manage that. Um, and, and we really want to look at it long-term and what that, total stress, total load is maybe in a week. I love that concept of load management. And that's something that I keep hearing come up in uh, podcasts that we do over and over again. Matt Boyd mentioned it with lacrosse athletes. Blair O'Donovan mentioned it with basketball athletes and so on. A lot of younger individuals, I think, are feeling pressure to do more in order to become the best version of themselves. And a lot of older individuals are feeling pressure to do more because 
they want to stay active and they want to be able to do what they want to do. But unfortunately, the body has a point where if you do too much, it starts to get unhappy. You can't overload to the ends of the earth. There's a point where you overload too much. And that point is very different from individual to individual. And it can be very difficult to find that optimal load management zone, especially we've, again, in the past, we've talked about sports like lacrosse and how do you regulate, you know, how many lacrosse shots an attacker takes per week? I guess I'll ask you the same thing in regards to golf. How can you regulate how much golf someone does in a week do you regulate it more on the driving range side or do you try and regulate how often people go to a golf course or what's your optimal way of addressing load management in a golfer i'll say sure so again looking at the two ends of the spectrum on how often are they are they getting out there now so you're going to have uh, high school collegiate athletes that are at the range every every day um, then they're going to have a, a tournament that weekend and they can manage that load uh, just fine, right? Until, until they can't. And so understanding where they've been at in the last three, six months, and if they're starting to have repetitive injuries creep up, okay, you need to have that history of where they're at and bounce back a little bit. Same thing with the um, maybe weekend golfer, uh, a recreational golfer, maybe he'll get out to the range, uh, right before round of golf uh, and then plays 18 uh, who knows what their handicap is, you know, could be, you know, shooting over a hundred, hundred shots on, on 18 holes, uh, maybe under 90. Um, you know, you ask them, you ask them what they're shooting. Some people will, will maybe, maybe lie to you about what their handicap is, right? Maybe they're, they're uh, not as honest about how many, uh, <laughs> how many swings they're taking out on the golf course. So um, just having those conversations about where they're typically at in a week, but then also look back the last three, six months if we're starting to have some uh, some of these these issues. Um, so again, that the person that has really picked it up, a really drastic increase in uh, in golf. So someone, hey, hey, I'm I'm going out to the range, you know, twice a week, um, and I'm I'm getting out to uh, you know, course maybe once every other weekend, right? Um, just in the last month, and I'm really having some shoulder issues. Okay. Well, what were you doing the previous month? You did that in the last four weeks. What were you doing the previous month, previous two months? Well, nothing. I just kind of ran to the range twice a week and and then and then getting out. So um, really have to have those conversations about where they've been at in the last few months to kind of gauge where that load is at and make those adjustments from there. Yeah, I like that. And that allows it to be a very individualized approach. Now, as we've been talking too, I realize we've talked a lot about movement and we've talked a lot about, you know, various exercises you threw out the Throwers 10 program. We didn't really talk much on the manual therapy element yet. And is that something that you bring into the golf population? Do you like to do various soft tissue techniques or joint mobilization manipulation? And if so, is there anything that you typically reach for when working with a golf athlete to help improve swing or decrease pain or the like? Absolutely. Uh, you know, any, any manual therapy, hands-on treatment, or even say foam rolling, true point release. You know, my message is always the same: is hey, all these things can be temp are temporary. We know this, but they're here to support the movement, right? If there's anything that can make the movement exercise more tolerable, 
more, thus more, maybe more effective, then I'm for it. And so as far as the manual therapy side goes, do a lot of um, manipulations, right? A lot of, a lot of um, uh, high velocity, low amplitude manipulations for the uh, lumbar spine, the thoracic spine, um, and even the neck as well. And so and that's one area I don't know if we've talked much about is, is having a good amount of cervical uh, neck rotation, right? And so if we're lacking in cervical rotation, um, whether it be joint stiffness, previous, uh, previous surgical history, whatever it is, um, that could be an issue um, that may be causing some pain in the neck or the thoracic spine as well. And, and so we know that that the joint manipulation and mobilization actually um, are very effective uh, when it comes to spine pain itself. That with movement afterwards, because now, hey, now we have a reduction of pain with a particular movement. Let's use that to our advantage. We're going to move into that movement and try and gain more, more mobility if that's our goal, more um, strength if that's our goal. Uh, maybe balance, right? Balance. Uh, you touched on balance earlier, certainly an important part of the golf swing itself. And so manual therapy is certainly something that, that I, I use a lot of, um, especially in this, the golf population, they, um, you know, tend to respond, you know, very well to it, um, in the, in the higher, uh, skill level, um, high school, collegiate, even amateur, um, that little, little edge, that's going to help you out That's, if it gives you just a little bit of maybe confidence in your movement. Why not? So, um, so the joint man manipulations, especially along the lumbar spine, thoracic spine and, and cervical spine, probably the most common ones I do, um, dry needling as well. Let's say, uh, maybe some, someone's developing some, uh, rotator cuff, maybe some lat tightness. And we've been doing a lot of, you know, trigger point release, um, maybe some, uh, resisted strengthening to maybe gain a little bit more, more mobility. Um, but we're not quite getting there. So maybe a little more aggressive, form of those uh, treatments could be dry needling. So uh, I'm certified in, in, in doing that as well. I found that to actually be pretty effective if we're dealing with maybe some uh, um, you know, myofascial pain that's, that's limiting maybe the last little bit of, of mobility. So, so certainly an area that, that I, I um, use from the physical therapy standpoint side of it uh, with the goal of, of supporting the long-term goal of of whether it is that mobility, strength, or, or balance that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, I like how you bring that all together, and it kind of combines a joint-focused approach and a soft tissue-focused approach, which I think ultimately is the way to go at the end of the day. Um, unfortunately, I'm not dry needling certified myself, but and I also don't work with a ton of golfers, believe it or not, um, but... I find a lot of benefits through um, myofascial cupping, especially pairing that with movement. And I also like a lot of eye stim techniques. Uh, I'm also a big proponent of Dr. Kyle Bowling's CTM band. Uh, shout out to Kyle, um, because having a tool that allows me to pair um, the deep trigger point type release, like deep pressure with mobility, stretching, movement-based things has been very valuable to us in the clinic. And, you know, I like the realm of manual therapy because there's so many tools in the toolbox, right? There's many ways to skin a cat after all. And as you mentioned, those are phenomenal uh, interventions that can 
achieve those goals. And, you know, you mentioned the spine manipulation quite a bit. And that's one that I really like because you get so much benefit in such a quick time. Uh, you know, you don't have to sit there and crush 20 to 30 minutes of thoracic extension mobility when you can just do a PA mobilization, uh, PA manipulation in whatever position you'd like and have someone, you know, kind of reinforce it with some exercises and good to go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, very, very similar approach and and uh, you know, philosophy. It sounds like is is again with with athletes. You know, it's it's that efficiency of their movement. How can we improve that efficiency? Um, again, I, I touched on earlier, right? Mindset is a huge part of the golf game as well, especially uh, at any level, really, at any level, no matter what. Having that mindset, and again, if something can give you maybe a little bit more confidence in maybe not your swing, but maybe how you're moving through your swing and you're not as, um, you're not as, as worried about, Oh, I'm going to have this back pain when I'm done, or I'm going to have this shoulder pain when I'm done. I'm not as worried about that because I, I feel I've, I've been getting better. I've been feeling better. Um, so if we can add confidence with that, um, that helps with the mindset side of it. That's going to help with our, our overall functional goals as well. I completely agree. I've got to ask the question now, Noel, does equipment matter at all when it comes to golf swing mechanics, pain, you know, is there ever a time when maybe someone just needs to get their club regripped or maybe just get a new club? Uh, does the equipment that someone uses in golf really make much of a difference or not particularly well of of course dan it's always the club's fault right yeah. so you play you're playing bad you get a new driver and then you hit great right <laughs> um maybe for two weeks and then then you're back to the old habits so um you know for me not really but you know to dive in that a little bit um <clears throat> common a uh, common piece of equipment that people will change is the stiffness of their club so for example uh, if someone has a really uh, fast uh, club head speed. So they're, they, they're, they're, they swing very, very fast, um, but they cannot quite catch up with their hips and they have a more flexible shaft. They might be more, uh, might be helpful to get a stiffer shaft. That way there's less bending through there. And so you have maybe a little bit more consistency upon impact. Um, you mentioned grips. Yeah, certainly uh, after a while, um, you know, your grips are going to go just like any sport. So regripping there just so you can main, con maintain control of, of that shaft and of that club head certainly is going to be important. Um, you know, most golfers, if you're out enough, you're going to blow through uh, golf gloves, you know, maybe, um, you know, a few times a year, maybe a few times a month, depending on how you, how, how often you're getting out and what type of gloves you're getting. So, uh, certainly equipment, you know, does play a role. Um, there's all sorts of different golf balls that you can get uh, as far as how soft the inner uh, interior is. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about all that to, to dive into that, but it does. It definitely does play uh, a, a huge role on, again, that that higher skill level and even. Um, even uh, on on the uh, recreational golfer, um, going back to maybe that that uh, shaft stiffness can definitely uh, make a huge impact. Depending on, okay, how are they moving? Can they can they uh, are they swinging too fast or they swinging too slow? And changing like stiffness uh, can certainly help. So yeah, equipment does does definitely play a role in that, and that's something I really rely on on all the golf coaches um, that, that that I'll contact and work with and. 
uh, and pick their brain about that. They're, they're, they're kind of the experts when it comes to that. Um, and so really kind of rely on, on their expertise there. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, like I said, I, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough, you know, to, to, uh, for for my golf swing, my golf game, to say uh, it's the equipment's fault, not uh, not user error most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I I was gonna say, do we ask what your handicap is or what golf clubs you prefer to swing? Or... <laughs> yeah, well, I I've been uh, uh, let's say I bought a I bought a hybrid, I bought a hybrid recently, last six months. And uh, was not hitting too great with it, so borrowed a buddy's hybrid, and and you know different brand, but but funny enough, I hit that thing uh, way more consistently than the one that I bought. So um, sure, we'll go we'll go with yeah, it's definitely the the the, the club, right? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Noel, this has been a great episode talking on so many different key pieces of golf uh, from both a physical therapy and performance lens. Uh, referring to lumbopelvic hip complex dissociation, discussing a bit about the shoulder and the shoulder's role in golf. We touched a little bit on the elbow and pain that can kind of come about from the golf swing and the elbow. We touched on manual therapy techniques. We covered a lot of different things. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks or anything that we might have missed that you want to dive in deeper on? No, I, th you know, I, I, I like talking about this stuff. Um, I enjoy it. There's, there's a large, uh, following in golf. It's, it's getting much, uh, much more popular nowadays, very popular. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I mentioned I'm in the, the Jacksonville area. So players, uh, championship is coming up here. We're recording this one on was the February 9th. So player championships coming up in a month here. So, um, there's, there's a buzz going around. So it, it's, it's a good time. And at the end of the day, I think most of us got into the world of physical therapy because we wanted to help people continue to do the things that they enjoy doing. At the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, whether that whether that's your 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 weekend golfer, the guy, someone that gets out once a once a month, once a year, wherever they may be, if that's what's something that you enjoy doing, I want to I want to keep you doing it. And so, um, you know, if you got any more questions, you know, feel free to. Uh, to reach out. I'm, I'm sure I'll give uh, my information out at the end, if you don't mind, Dan. And um, uh, like I said, we reach out and if there are any questions uh, regarding golf in general, golf, physical therapy, performance, all that stuff, we'd love to continue conversation going with anybody that's interested. In. Definitely. Yeah. So for people who are interested and they want to reach out, where can they find you at? Are you on uh, you know, social media, website? Are you still stuck in the MySpace generation? You know, <laughs> did let me ask, did you ever have MySpace? Are you old enough for that? Uh, when I was in third grade, I had a slightly, <laughs> well, slightly, I don't know if I would say illegal, but uh, I did have a MySpace page, I guess you could call it, uh, slightly before I probably should have. <laughs> I'm sure my page is out there somewhere if those servers are still active. No, I, uh, yeah, mostly engaged with, um, with social media, mainly Facebook, more so Instagram, actually. And so uh, my, my practice is called uh, Driven Physical Therapy. Pun is definitely intended on that one. So driven.physicaltherapy is where you can find me uh, in my, uh, my business account. Um, that's where I do most of my, my communication. Um, again, my uh, um, 
my, my client list is, is relatively small, but intentionally relatively small. So a lot of it's, it's kind of word of mouth. Um, but uh, I like to stay engaged on social media and, and have some uh, educational information out there, um, diving into a little bit of, of things that I give out to clients to help manage maybe some of the issues that they're, that they're having. So um, again, yeah, Facebook, you can find me at Driven Physical Therapy um, or Instagram, Driven.PhysicalTherapy. Yeah, that's awesome. We will link to all of that below in the description. So if you didn't quite catch it, you can just uh, click there and check out everything that Noel's doing over with Driven Physical Therapy. Noel, always a pleasure. Thank you again for your time. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.